Jesus, we just thank you for today, the opportunity we have to gather and to worship you, Jesus. I just pray a blessing over our service this morning, over Pastor Mark as he preaches. Amen. You may be seated and have a wave to those around you. Good morning. Oh, that was that, that was a little squeaky. Good morning. Oh, warm welcome to all of you. We are glad uh, that you can join us this morning, whether you are online or here in person. Um, I think we're going to have just another exciting day where God will be working among us through the preaching of the word, uh, through the worship, uh, through the prayers of his people. It's going to be a good day. Uh, and I just want to call attention, actually, to something that I was sort of only made aware of this week. Uh, September 30th this week, it's, I think it's Thursday, is actually Reconciliation Day. Uh, that's a new national day of remembrance that honors uh, First Nations people. It's especially impactful uh, in, just in light of all of the residential school news that we've heard about. And it's important, I think, for us to remember those things and lament those things. But it's also important for us to remember that reconciliation is actually a Christian value. Um, in fact, in our mission statement as a church, it says the community of Northgate Baptist exists to bring all people into a reconciled relationship with God, themselves, and others. And that's just, I think, a reminder of the brokenness that sin brings into our world and our need for reconciliation. And Romans 5, verses 10 and 11 says, For if we were, while we were sinners... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more now that we are reconciled. We shall be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So I would encourage you this Thursday, just be praying uh, for reconciliation uh, in our world around us. A reminder that that division that we see all around us is it's the gospel. It is the work of Jesus Christ in the lives of those people that will bring us back to a, a relationship between us and God and us and each other. We need the gospel. That's such a reminder at a time like this. Pray for reconciliation. Um, yeah, this Thursday. Uh, and that brings us to announcements this morning. If you would like to join me in looking in your bulletins. Um, First, I want to point out uh, the Greater Edmonton Missions event is going uh, next month, October. Uh, it will be October 29th and 30th. Uh, that is a Friday and a Saturday, uh, put on by the NAB, uh, so it's our conference. And it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a celebration of missions, uh, a reminder of how important it is for us to take the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth. Uh, and with that, just to try to help promote it, uh, there is a registration fee. The church will cover that fee for you. Uh, so please just come be our guest with that. We are also going to arrange a carpool uh, so we can all go together because it's more fun of these things if we all go as a group. Uh, so a carpool will be leaving from the church here at 6.15 on Friday and 8.15 a.m. on Saturday. And if you want more information about that, you can call the office or you can even go and register at the event section on the website there. Also in the bulletin, uh, there is a Legacy Grandparenting Summit. Uh, this is being put on by Central Baptist, 
Uh, it's going to take place at their Sherwood Park uh, satellite location. Uh, and it's a simulcast, and they're just going to talk about how to be godly grandparents and how to leave a legacy in your grandkids. So we thought we would point that out to you if you're in that place or almost in that place. Uh, might be something you really want to sort of check out. Uh, a reminder, too, we're still asking... Uh, a call for baptism. If you are interested in going through the waters of baptism as a step of obedience and commitment to Christ, uh, please talk to the church. Talk to one of the staff. Uh, we would love to help you take that step. And finally, we just want to offer our condolences uh, to Mary de los Santos. Uh, her mom actually passed away last weekend, so our condolences go out to her, and we just want to keep her in prayer in these days ahead. As we pray, uh, let's join together and pray. Father God, uh, thank you so much for this day. Lord, a day that we are excited uh, to come to church, to be among your people, uh, to worship you, to hear from you. I uh, pray that you would speak mightily to our hearts. Lord, as, as we go through this letter of Paul to the Philippians, this letter of joy, we pray that you would be with Pastor Mark. Uh, Lord, as he brings us a word, um, that it would be something that just... Um, just impacts our heart, uh, something, a truth that we would begin to live out in our lives every moment of every day. And Lord, we pray for that reconciliation, uh, Lord, that we talked about, and just reminding how the world has been broken in sin and how we need the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to bring us together. It's the only thing that will reunite us with you and with each other. Lord, uh, pray for the reconciliation of ourselves, for this church, for the the people of this land, uh, Lord, we pray that you would do a work of reconciliation uh, all around us. Uh, for the greater Edmonton Missions event, Lord, uh, we do pray that this would be something that they can still put on in light of all the corona. Uh, but Lord, we ask that you would just use these events to just inspire us and, and, and educate us and just remind us of how important uh, missions are. Uh, not just for our church, but for the people that we are reaching uh, with the good news of Jesus Christ. And Lord, we want to just lift up Mary as well uh, today with the loss of her mom. Uh, Lord, pray for her as she grieves. Lord, I pray that you would be with her, that you would comfort her, that she would know your presence just is with her at this time. And that, Lord, you would help her walk through these, these, next, these days ahead of her, uh, Lord, with your Holy Spirit as her, as her companion and her comfort uh, at this time. Uh, Lord, we'll pray even for the youth who are on a, a retreat this weekend. Pray that their time was an amazing time. And just pray for, for safety as they travel back uh, this morning as well. And Lord, we just, again, we look forward to what you're going to do among us this day. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. All right, at this time, kids, you can be dismissed to Kingdom Kids. If parents, you want to lead them out to the fellowship hall, we'd appreciate that at this time. Good morning. It's great to see you this morning. Thank you for joining us online, those of you who are joining us. And we're taking a look and we're continuing to look in the book of Philippians today. Pastor Mark has, has given me permission to carry on with uh, the book uh, this morning as he began a couple of uh, weeks ago, giving us uh, some insights into the first verses of chapter 1. And so I invite you this morning to take your Bibles and turn them to Philippians chapter 1. Let me ask you a question as we get going. Uh, what, what do you envision your life would be like um, 
Now, you're going to have to think about this because it's probably not a probability. But what do you envision your life might be like if you had no troubles in it? (laughs) You you snicker a little bit, I know. It's it's kind of hard to even imagine that, isn't it? Uh, It's hard to imagine being without, uh, without stress. It's hard to imagine what it would be like to to be without any worry, to to be without any conflict, to to be without any heartache and grief. How how would that feel? I I don't know because the reality is that life is full of troubles. Amen. Life is full of troubles, and all of us have them. And trouble is always relative, isn't it? And what I mean by that is that your trouble might not be a trouble to me at all. <laughs> and my trouble might not be a trouble to you at all. It's relative. But your trouble, your pain is your pain, and my pain is my pain, and we're all, we all have pain. We all have trouble, regardless of of how it comes, where it is, what it looks like. We, we can't really measure our troubles against one another because we don't walk in one another's shoes. But we know for certain that in all of our lives there are troubles. George Whitfield, the great evangelist of the 18th century, spoke of trouble as thorns in your bed. <laughs> That's pretty descriptive, isn't it? This is what he said. He said that if God in his great wisdom allows thorns to be in your bed, it's only to keep you from falling into complacency. Those thorns will remind you that you still need God. That's pretty powerful. Maybe you feel more like the other great theologian, Charlie Brown, from the Peanuts comics. Lucy was giving him some sage advice, and she said, you know, life is kind of like a deck chair. Some people set up their deck chair so that they can see where they're going. And other people set up their deck chair so that they could see where they've been. And yet still others set up their deck chair to see where they are in the present, to which Charlie Brown responds, I'm having trouble unfolding my deck chair. And maybe that's where you're at today. You're having trouble unfolding the deck chair of your life. You can't get life unfolded. And I can understand that. Because with all of the worries and all of the cares and all of the stresses and all of the problems that are going around us, And in us today, it's sometimes difficult to get an honest perspective on life, is it not? I think that's where the Apostle Paul has some advice for us. I think here in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul uh, sort of has a leaning towards what we're talking about. He has an understanding of, of where we are. And even though Paul's day was not like our day in the least. And he went through things that prayerfully none of us will ever have to go through. Um, I think that he knew exactly how we're feeling and, and what we're going through. 
Even before we read the passage, I think we can summarize it by saying that God uses troubles to accomplish his purposes in our lives. If you don't get anything else out of this morning, remember that. That God uses troubles to accomplish his purposes in our lives. And even though Paul's world didn't resemble ours today, I think we get a glimpse into uh, kind of Paul's deck chair and how the Apostle Paul set it up so that he could see the past, so that he could understand what was going on in the present, and so that he could have hope in the future. And I hope the result of the truth that we learn today is going to be that we will allow God to rearrange the furniture of our lives so that we'll be able to get a better view of our past and so that we can cope with the present and so that we can have some hope for the future. That's the goal today. You see, the Philippians were very, very concerned and interested in what was going on in the life of this great apostle Paul. They had heard that he had some troubles, that maybe he was in prison, and they were anxious to hear about what was going on. And having greeted them in chapter verses 1 to 11 and, and giving them some, some, some idea of, of what's going on with himself, it's almost like uh, he's taking some excerpts out of his diary, and it gives us an example of true Christianity. Living and in it, he gives us a perspective of life, which I hope is going to help us to understand God's purposes for our lives even today. Let's begin in verse 12. The Apostle Paul writes, I, I want you to know, brethren, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. There's a powerful lesson to be learned just in that one verse, and that is that our, our troubles prepare us for serving the Lord. Our troubles prepare us for serving the Lord. Apparently, the believers in Philippi, they were, they were asking what was going on with the Apostle Paul, and so not only does he update him, them on his circumstances, but he, but he really wants them to understand um, how what had happened to him in the past was really being used by God to, to, to play into what was happening in the present. And the summary of that, of what he said, is that what has happened to me in the past really has served to advance the gospel in the present. Uh, maybe you remember the story. Acts chapter 29, 21 rather, uh, Paul was falsely accused for, well, bringing a Gentile into the temple, which he didn't do. He was falsely accused of that. And, and you remember the story about how this mob drags him out into the street and he was almost lynched by this religious group of people and, and he was rescued and, and then he was put into prison and he was almost flogged until he claimed that he was a Roman citizen and then, whoa, they backed off, remember that? Eventually, he was taken to Caesarea and I have a picture of Caesarea for you. Uh, he was put, on a, put, put in a prison there in Caesarea and that is actually the prison that he was put in. Do you see the, you see the little uh, the bars on the little cage there? It was actually a hole in the ground. And of course, the coastline has eroded away since then. But basically, it was a hole in the ground. That was his prison in Caesarea. 
And he was there for, for two years. And finally, he appeals to Caesar. Remember the story? And he was put on a boat, put on a ship on his way to Rome so that he could stand before Caesar. But wait, that's not all. On his way to Rome, remember that he had a shipwreck. He almost lost his life, and he swam to shore, and he, he's making a fire, and he gets bitten by a poisonous snake. And then he, he's, he's forced to, to live on this, this isle of Malta until winter passed. Oh, not, not so pleasant of a trip, was it? And when he finally reaches Rome, he, he was bound by chains and guarded day and night by the elite household guards of Caesar. And at that point, the apostle Paul cries out, oh God, why did you allow this to happen to me? If I would have just stayed in Jerusalem, none of this would have happened. Right? Is that what he said? No, no. That's exactly the opposite of what he said. That's what I would have said, (laughs) but that's not what he said. You see, Paul wasn't frustrated. He wasn't depressed with his circumstances. He didn't, he didn't think that God had put him on a shelf. He doesn't show us his bruises for our sympathy. But instead, he says that all of his sufferings and all of his imprisonments were far from negative, but in fact, they served to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And by the way, that word advance is a military term that has to do with clearing the way for the army. And so the Romans, they would send out the pioneers, as they were called. So now you know where that word came from. They sent out the pioneers who would clear roads in the forest, and they would build a few bridges, and they would basically take away all of the barriers that would inhibit the army from coming in. They, they made the way possible for the army to come. And Paul says that, that all of his sufferings were not bad things. Those were good things. He says those things were just clearing the obstacles away so that the gospel could be preached. We don't often look at life that way, do we? And yet when Paul looked at his sufferings, he saw them no more than opportunities. You see, God rules. And the pressures in our lives are created by the hands of the potter whom is our father. And God never abandons the work he's doing in us to others. And he's never knocked off course by the wickedness of evil people or the weakness of good people. Four years ago when, when our youngest son Nathan died... Almost immediately, Barbara and I began saying to the Lord, what do you want to do with this that would advance the gospel? God, how do you want to use this tragic incident in our lives to further the gospel of Jesus Christ? We began looking and we began praying in the midst of our healing. This last year, I wrote a book entitled Shining Light into the Darkness to to talk about some of the que- answer some of the questions that I had from God's word about why God allows suffering and tragedy to come into our lives like that. It should be 
on the market in the next three to six months. That almost sales, sounds like a sales pitch, doesn't it? <laughs> you too can go out. And if today is 24% off, no. <laughs> and we established a bursary uh, at the Christian school that, that he attended to help young students in their future studies for ministry. And, and this year, Barbara and I began leading Grief Share so that we can uh, bear the burdens of others and, and bring comfort to others with the comfort with which we have been comforted, as Scripture says. And so I'm saying all that to say, what, what are you doing with your troubles? What, what, what do you think God wants to do just make your life miserable? No, that's not his purpose. Just cause you to feel bad? No, that's, that's not the design. The design is always to further the gospel. God always uses our troubles. There's a purpose in it to, to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. Have you learned the truth of that in your own life? Maybe your dreams have lost their clarity. Maybe your tears have replaced your laughter. From a human perspective, maybe it seems like your circumstances have prevented rather than prepared you for serving God. But you see, if we allow God to work, all of our past sufferings, God wants to use to prepare us to serve others more effectively. It's not always easy. It's not always an easy path. There are rocks and stones and turns in the, in, in, the, in the path along the way. And yet God says, I want to use it all. I want to use it all. After viewing the past, Paul turns to look at the present. He says, beginning in verse 13, So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without, with, uh, without fear. As some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. The, the, the point I get out of that is that not only does God use our troubles to prepare us to serve him and to glorify him, but God also uses our troubles as a platform to speak the message. As a platform from which to speak the message. Now, Paul, you'll notice, never elaborates on his discomforts in prison because his desire was never for us to uh, look at the chains on his wrists. His desire was never for us to uh, cast our, our eyes upon his, his bruises and his scars from the beatings and, and the bruises and maybe the deterioration of his body as, re, as a result. But instead, we look through the lengths of the chains to the effect those bonds had on others. You see, he saw his restrictions as a platform for ministry. 
Not as something that would keep him from ministry, but something that would allow him to do more ministry. He saw his chains as a testimony to the world. Look what he said in verse 13. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And I hope you don't miss what he just said there. He said he doesn't see himself as a prisoner of Rome. But he says, I am a prisoner of Christ. Whenever he talked about his chains, he always implied that he was a prisoner of Christ. Not of any human institution. In fact, he opened the letter in verse 1 by saying, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ. And that word servants is the Greek word doulos. And it means to be in bondage or enslaved to someone. Paul gladly acknowledged that he was a slave to Christ and that it didn't matter. It didn't matter if he was in chains or he wasn't in chains. (laughs) He was already a slave. He was a slave to Christ. You see, Paul saw his troubles as opportunities. He was chained day and night to an imperial guard. Some of your translation has said the praetorium. These guys, you know who these guys were? These guys were the elite household guards of Caesar. Uh, They got better pay than most of the other guys did. Uh, They they got better assignments than most of the other guys did. Uh, They were thought to be the cream of the crop. Uh, Thought to be the movers and the shakers of the Roman Empire. These were the guys that they thought would rise to the top and they would actually transform and conform Rome. And one by one, these guys, they they took their turns being chained to the Apostle Paul for four to six hours each. That's potentially four different guards every, every day, 28 times a week in two years. <clears throat> Think about it. He could have potentially had contact with 3,000 guards if they were all different guards every time. Can you imagine what that must have been like? <laughs> These guys come in and they, they unlock the chains and a new guy comes in and they lock the chains and, and Paul, Paul has a little grin on his face and he looks up at the guy and says, by the way, have you heard about Jesus Christ? I mean, what a captive audience, right? <laughs> like, like, where is the guy going to go? What is he going to do? These soldiers watched as he as he penned this letter to the Philippian church, along with Colossians and, and Ephesians and, and Philemon. And, and they listened day in and day out as he talked to his friends, as people would come in. Uh, they sat in wonder as leading Jews came to inquire about Paul's faith. Uh, it, it means that, that, that it, well, interesting things happened. <laughs> There's an interesting reference over in chapter 4 where he wrote in verses 21 and 22, in the last verses of the letter, he writes, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. Now listen to this. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. Do you know who that was? The guys who were guarding him. The, the, the elite soldiers 
who had entrusted their life to Jesus Christ. Who would have ever thought of that plan? Like, who would have appointed Caesar as chairman of the committee to evangelize the Roman Empire? It was Paul's limited circumstances that gave him access to this elite group of men who would have never had any opportunity to hear about Christ in any other way. It's an amazing plan that God had. And I wonder about your circumstances today. Your prison might be a boring job or an illness that limits you. Uh, Maybe you feel trapped by being the mother of young children at home, or maybe you feel chained to a group of obnoxious associates or or an unbelieving boss. Maybe you feel chained to grief or disappointment or a difficult marriage, and, and you wonder how any of it could be used of God as a witness for him. But let me encourage you today that there are no circumstances that cannot be used as a platform for spreading the gospel. And whatever your circumstances might be, it can be an opportunity used by God to display himself through you. I ask you, what are you going to do with your troubles? Not only was the gospel spreading amongst the imperial guard, but look at verse 14 of chapter 1. He says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, initially, these Christians, they probably were a little bit... uh, um, you know, fearful of, of sharing the gospel because they heard what happened, happened to Paul and they don't want that to happen to them. And so, you know, they're holding back a little bit. But then the apostle Paul, he comes and he says, hey, I want you to see what's happening. I want you to see how God is using this for his glory. People are being saved and they're all going, whoa, we want that to happen too. And so now they're not thinking so much about the risk. And they go out and they start sharing their faith. And more people are coming to Christ as a result of that. So Paul's testimony became an encouragement for others to share their faith. The word speak, by the way, is talking about everyday conversations. Sometimes we think, well, I can't preach, you know. That's not what the word means. It means to speak in everyday conversation. It means chatting about what Christ has done for us and how he has impacted our lives. How easily, my question is, how easily do we bring Christ into our everyday conversations? Some people find that frightening, don't they? And other people find that quite natural and and normal. The Apostle Paul said over in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 22, and I'm reading from the New Living Testament because it just, it just opens it up. He says, When I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, yes, I try to find, here it is, common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save them. I like that. Finding common ground. That's a good way to start a conversation with people about Christ and how he has helped you and how he has encouraged you. 
I had an arborist at my house a few weeks ago, and he was looking at our trees, and we needed some trimmed, and, and he was an immigrant from Ecuador. Wonderful young man, just a young man. And we were chatting about the trees, of all things. And, uh, and one thing led to the other, and I said, well, I'm a Christian, and oh, what do you do? And I, 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 I go to Northgate Baptist Church. Oh, I know where that is. And, and I said, what about you? Have you ever received Christ into your life? You see, everyday conversations. I mean, it was just like it just flowed, like just God just opened the door and opened the opportunity. And we had about a 20-minute conversation about Christ. You say, well, that's hard. You could do that, but I don't think I could ever do that. Yes, you can. You look for the opportunity. You ask God to open doors of opportunity. You find common ground. You talk about what's common. And then you talk about how Christ has helped you and what he's done for you. And, and this is the reason that, that I can do what I do because God is in my life. It opens up the door. There's one more exhortation we need to look at. It begins in verse 19. Paul says, And I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me... You may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you. Here's the point. Here's the principle. Our troubles are used by God to share the gospel. Our, our troubles are a platform from which we can share the message of Jesus Christ. And, and thirdly, our troubles cause us to look to the future. They cause us to look to the future. You know, none of us know for certain what the future will bring. Nobody does. It could bring riches. It could bring extreme poverty. It could bring exhilarating happiness or crushing grief. Our future is an unwritten book that comes with surprises. Some of them welcome and some of them we wish had never come. Paul shows us the same thing that, that governed our lives in the past and are working in our lives in the present can also be used to help us to look with joy to the future. Paul faced the same possibilities we all do. Live or die. <laughs> his certainty involved his ambition and his purpose um, and his uncertainty dealt with how everything would be worked out. So he had ambition, he had purpose. God, I don't know how it's going to work out. And in verse 19, he, he uses that word deliverance, which, which could probably be better translated salvation. And he's not talking about being delivered from prison, 
but he was confident that God was using all of his circumstances in his life in order that Christ would shine through him. Frankly, in his mind, it didn't matter whether he was free or if he was in prison, whether he lived or whether he died. The principle that guided his future is in verse 20, where he says, Now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. The future could bring anything. But Paul's greatest concern in his life, that Christ would be honored, that Christ would be glorified, whether he was dead or alive, in prison or free. The word honored, by the way, is better translated magnified. See, he didn't want to just carry around, you know, a, a snapshot of Jesus in his, in, his, in, in, his, in, his, in his pocket so that every once in a while he could pull it out and show it to somebody, kind of like we do with our kids and grandkids, right? Oh, now that you mentioned it and, you know, we open up our phone, we show all the pictures, that, that's not what Paul wanted to do. His idea was to show an enlarged picture of Jesus Christ to everyone who saw him. He wanted to be a telescopic lens to bring a hazy Jesus into clearer focus. And the only way he could do that is if the strength that Paul had in himself was all sucked out so that he had to depend upon Christ, and as a result, Christ could be seen through him. And that's why Paul could say that not only was the gospel making progress around him, but the gospel was also making progress in him. The majesty of Jesus Christ was being manifested in his life. And that's why he could say in verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die what is gain. You see, he was living in, living in Christ. To me, to live is Christ. He was, he was living in and experiencing the life of Christ and drawing upon his strength and his power and his wisdom and proclaiming his name. Death, well, that just meant more of the same. In fact, Paul viewed death as a departure. The term translated to die was a camping metaphor taken from his tent-making days. And it meant literally to take down the tent. Isn't that a beautiful picture for the Christian? To take down the tent? Death is the end of the camping season. It's the end of transitory living and the opportunity to, what, go home. Leaving behind all of the uncertainties and the dangers of living in a tent. And when Paul thought about the future days, he said in verse 23 that he was hard-pressed. To die meant possessing Christ. To, to live meant more fruit. But guess what? The choice was not his any more than it is yours and mine. But somehow, I don't know, maybe through a vision, the Apostle Paul discerned that God uh, wanted him to be around a bit longer. And with that, he knew that the Roman Empire could not touch him as long as God wanted to use him. Augustine once said, man is immortal until his work is done. <laughs> you have that kind of assurance today? Death can't touch you. Until God is through with the work he wants to do through you. 
In fact, there are no untimely deaths amongst Christians. No untimely deaths. For the person who places Christ at the center of their lives, he helps us to make sense of and gives meaning to our past and helps us to cope with our present and he gives us a hope for the future. Christ is a key to our personal histories. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German Lutheran pastor and theologian and anti-Nazi dissident once said this, We shall understand Christ only when we are prepared to decide about him in harsh either-or terms. He did not go to the cross to decorate or beautify our life. We shall not understand him if we make room for him in one sphere of our life only. We shall understand him rather if we orient our life by him alone. The religion of Christ is not a delicacy served after the bread. It is the bread itself or nothing at all. I want you to dwell on that phrase for a minute. It is the bread itself or nothing at all. Whatever life has brought our way, God wants to use it to bring people to Christ and to magnify Christ through us. And as you and I do that, God will give us the insight and he'll give us new meaning for our past, for what's happening in our, in our present and hope for the future. And if you're here today, if you're listening online and you've never gotten on the path of Jesus Christ, you can do that today. Simply by confessing your sin to him, admitting to him that you're a sinner, that you need his forgiveness and you need his life in your life. And you bow your knee to him and you make him the Savior and the Lord and the King of your life. And you can do that right now as we pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the encouragement of these words from the Apostle today, this great book of Philippians. And I pray, Lord, for, for somebody here today who has, feel, has, has been feeling imprisoned. And they don't know what the prison is, is accomplishing. They just want out of the prison. Lord, I pray that they will see their prison, whatever it might be, small or large, as something that you want to use in their life to prepare, you, prepare, prepare them for, for sharing the message of Jesus. And that, and that their prison would be uh, a platform from which they can share the message and that, and that, Lord, the trouble will cause them to look with hope and joy at the future. And I pray, Lord, for somebody listening today who may have never accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord. You could just say a little prayer like this today with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I come to you receiving the free gift of salvation that you paid for on Calvary's cross when you died there for my sins. I receive that as a free gift. And I ask you into my heart, into my life, I want you to be the king of my life. Be my savior, be my Lord, be the ruler, be the leader of my life. And I want to grow in you and to know you more. We thank you, Lord, for somebody who may have said that prayer today. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to uh, bless these words to our hearts this day and this week. Help us, Lord, to follow this example of the Apostle Paul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
If you receive Christ as your Savior today, I want to invite you to get in touch with us. Let us know. Call the church. Uh, talk to us. We, we have some information we want to share with you, a Bible to give to you, and to help you to grow in Christ. Thank you, Pastor Mark. We just